Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. What a bunch of malarkey. We know the value of voting Democratic when our votes count. It's important that you save your vote for the November election. We'll need your help in electing Democrats up and down the ticket. Voting this Tuesday only enables the Republicans in their quest to elect Donald Trump again. Hey, welcome back to Politico Tech. Today's Friday, January 25th. I'm Stephen Overly. And no, that recording you just heard was not actually President Biden. It sounded a bit like him, waxing on about electing Democrats and using words like malarkey. What a bunch of malarkey. But the president telling you not to vote doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That's because it was an AI-generated deepfake. It went out in a robocall to an unknown number of New Hampshire voters earlier this week and urged Democrats not to participate in the primary on Tuesday. The state attorney general is now investigating it as an unlawful attempt to suppress voters. Now, this imposture wasn't especially convincing, and Biden still won the primary. But it is yet another instance of AI-generated deepfakes invading the campaign trail, and frankly, becoming a more common issue in our daily lives. Vijay Balasubramanian analyzes these deepfakes for a living. We, we've listened to it. We've analyzed it. Yeah, we, we absolutely know about it. He's the CEO of a company called Pindrop that uses technology to detect the good deepfakes better than a human ever could. The technology is used by some of the biggest banks, insurance companies, and healthcare providers in the country. And Vijay has made the rounds here in Washington, warning Senate leaders that these voice deepfakes will break our trust in just about everything. So I called him up to talk more about that. I really enjoyed my conversation with Vijay, even if at times, kind of bummed me out. Anyway, here it is. You and I are talking on Zoom, but we're all listening on the podcast to just your voice right now. Yeah. How can we be sure it's really you? (laughs) You know, it's it's, it's really interesting uh, because we're humans we, over 10,000 years of human evolution, have developed some very unique things. And it's one of the things that we use to detect deepfakes. We have this thing called the overbite, which then allows us to move our lip and our teeth over our mouth. And that creates a class of tones called fricatives. So when you say San and Francisco, you're essentially pushing sound through a very narrow channel, which is something we can do. But for a lot of systems, that sounds like noise. So the s and the sh sound very, very similar. So what ends up happening is these machines tend to find it really difficult to simulate a lot of these things well over sustained periods of audio or video uh, because they're not human. They're just trying to be human. And your ear is very good at getting confused because if you were to pick up all these subtle things it'll be a problem. Your brain just convinces your ear that you didn't hear many of these uh, little anomalies. But that's fundamentally how you should figure out that I'm human. (laughs) Got it. Well, one point for the humans then in the uh, the human-machine battle. Um, Yes. Well, well, listen, you know, this has come up, and the reason I really wanted to talk to you is, you know, we had the New Hampshire primary this week, um, and this issue arose with robocalls going out to Democrats, 
purporting to be Joe Biden, urging them yeah. not to turn out to the polls, yeah. right? And the, the New Hampshire yeah. attorney general is looking into this. You know, it's it's believed to be an AI-generated deep fake. Even with the deep fake, we know that uh, President Biden did win that primary. But h- how significant is that robocall in your view? Uh, it is really significant because, you know, one, uh, they used uh, um, it is for sure a deep fake engine. So we have deep fake detection capabilities and our deep fake detection uh, gave it a very high probability of being a deep fake. So, it, and we also know that it's actually a text to speech deep fake. What that means is someone typed the words and then they used a machine to generate those sounds. Hmm. And so when we analyze the audio, we can actually see it. And, you know, the really interesting thing is you're able to see things that Biden uses pretty often. This deepfake text-to-speech engine almost replicates it faithfully. So, for example, when he says, what a bunch of malarkey, it's a thing that he's used a lot. And so those phrases, the deepfake engine is able to get very close to the original Biden, uh, original President Biden. But when he's saying things like, you know, press two to get out of this, uh, you know, right. robocalling scam. If you would like to be removed from future calls, please press two now. Which is something Biden would never string those set of words. You have a deepfake intensity that's really, really high. And again, fricatives, when he says the word Republican. The when he says the word vote, your vote makes a difference in November. When he says the word November, when he says the word Tuesday, those are all places where you can actually see the artifacts that are left behind by this text to speech engine glowing red. It's fascinating for me to hear you talk about like individual words that you can analyze and, and sort of use those to detect what's, what's fake and what's real. I guess. I'm sure you've heard uh, probably a million uh, audio deep fakes. This one of President Biden, how particularly sophisticated was it compared to some of the other stuff that's out there? No, it wasn't very sophisticated. So, you know, uh, on our scale of uh, zero to one, where we are scoring, uh, you know, the call, uh, when it's ha- closer to one, it's more likely, it's it's what's known as a liveness score, or how likely is it a real human who's producing this piece of content, right? And so if the closer it is to one, it means it's a real human. The closer it is to zero, it means it's a deep fake. And this system scored very close to 0.1. So it was very, very close. It was extremely uh, uh, likely to be a deep fake. But not only can we score the entire audio, we can actually score every 250 millisecond segment of this audio. Hmm. So in so that's how we're able to say, hey, there are certain segments that have higher artifacts that show their deep fake than others. And, you know, the reason we're able to score it at that smaller level is because audio has a lot of your voice every single second. So even in the lowest fidelity channel, there are 8,000 samples of your voice every single second. And so that helps us start to at a very granular level, understand, you know, that this is a deep fake. Like, you know, and I said, right, like bunch of malarkey was very close to the way he says bunch of malarkey. When he said the word Donald Trump, it was very similar because he's probably said Donald Trump so many times that the uh, deep, uh, the the text-to-speech engine has realized, okay, I, I might as well just use the way he says it directly in when I'm replicating it. So 
I mean, you can identify a lot of these things. And this was not a very sophisticated deep fake, even though it was very easy for your ear to be confused by it. Is there an example you've seen of one that is really successful that your sort of analysis picks up, you know, and, and you sort of think, whoa, this one, this one got really close to being human? So far, it feels like just because you have so many samples every single second, like 8,000 samples a second means in five seconds, you have 40,000 times where you can look for these anomalies. Uh, it's so far, we haven't seen it. But w what we see is when people have, you know, tons of audio of a particular individual and that audio is very, very high quality. So they've gone into a recording studio and produced it. And then you use one of this, these pieces of software to generate it. You can actually generate very faithful representations. Uh, but even then, you know, what ends up happening is each of these deep fake engines is actually non-human in a very specific way. They have telltale signs in the way they represent certain things that humans do because they're taking shortcuts. And they have all have very specific signatures to that, oh, it's this kind of a deep fake engine that is producing it. I've, um, I'll admit, since we started this podcast, I've thought about that because there yeah. are now hours of my voice on the internet. Yeah. Um, for any scammers listening, it won't get you very far. I'm not rich or powerful, so please don't uh, come for me. But I, <laughs> I do think about that because, yeah. you know, the, the, these may not be that sophisticated now, but we've seen examples get more sophisticated over time. It certainly seems to be the direction that it's headed. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it is going to get more sophisticated. And, you know, like everything else in security, it is an arms race. You're always trying to create new engines. Like in our labs, we're constantly creating engines and we're actually using these engines to compete against each other, to constantly try and fool each other, to see, you know, what can a really sophisticated engine produce. But you're absolutely right. We are living in this world where, you know, if you remember when a lot of your data was out there, it was likely you'd get compromised because you have a lot of your data out there. Now it's moved from data breaches. And my prediction is there's going to be a world when we're talking about audio and video breaches and multimedia breaches, because the more, like you said, that I have of your audio content, the more I can get closer to replicating you. Got it. Lo love that for me. Love that for me. <laughs> we'll be right back. The Biden administration is moving forward with a slew of new regulations that put products like semiconductors, electric vehicles, modern healthcare technology, and clean energy at risk. Chemistry is essential to our modern lives, creating products to help foster a more sustainable and competitive future. The Biden administration must change its course and work with manufacturers on science-based policies that protect American innovation. Learn more at chemistrycreates.org. You know, we're talking a lot about this being used in politics. And I know you've talked to regulators about this. You've been in Washington sort of sounding this alarm. Um, there was comments I, I read that you had made to senators last month talking about, you know, uh, among all the potential risks of generative AI, you know, Deep, these sort of audio deepfakes 
could do the most harm yeah. um, because they have the potential to, and this is you know, quoting, break all online trust. Yeah. What, what does that mean exactly to break all online trust? Yeah, so, you know, I think uh, our fundamental society is based on trust, right? So when you talk to a bank uh, or you talk to your healthcare provider or you, you're trying to order a laptop, they're trying to find out it's you. And we started seeing people break that with deep fakes, right? So businesses can't identify you when they're interacting with you. We've seen, for example, the uh, President Biden's robocall. So you don't know whether the information you're getting is really true. Is it Tom Hanks selling dental plan ads or not, right? So in that situation, you, you can't trust information. So businesses can't trust individuals. Individuals can't trust information. And then if you see... The scam that the FTC talks about a lot more recently is the grandfather or grandparent scam, right? Where grandparents are getting calls from their grandkids saying, I'm in trouble, wire money. And they're able to get their grandkids' voice from a three-second TikTok video or audio. So it's mm. really, and, and that's all it takes. It takes only three seconds to create a deep fake of your voice. So it's it's the the technology is advanced so much and you're actually starting to see this level of scale and sophistication at our borders so in canada we've started seeing for example fraudsters are in a 3 day period hitting all the elder citizens of a particular county so much so that after those 3 days those elderly citizens are coming and saying i lost 20k and one of them has lost 200k in that short period. Oh my God, so that's, that's it, crazy. And so the fact is that now individuals can't trust each other. If I don't know it's my grandkid calling, you've fundamentally broken the business's ability to identify you, your ability to identify someone uh, famous or, or a politician, and your ability to identify each other, which means all social media, all media is broken, <laughs> all trust is broken, which means all commerce is broken. So it's a fundamental shift in the way we have to look at the world because unless we figure out ways to restore that trust, how do you know whether you're doing commerce when you're communicating with someone, when you are trying to consume any information, any of that is real. So when we talk then about restoring that trust, I, I want to, because maybe because I'm uh, already feeling depressed in this conversation, so we'll try to turn my turn my mood around, which is, when it when it comes to restoring that trust, how do we do that? You know, I, I, I obviously there are some technological solutions that um, are in the works, including what Pendrop does. I know you've talked about this idea of liveness detection, which I think is what we've been talking about, right? Yep. This idea of sort of analyzing the voice to see if it's really being spoken by by an actual human. Is that kind of private sector approach enough to actually address this problem? Yeah, I think the private sector, I mean, like whenever you have a security issue, like when the, you know, when viruses came about on your computer, you had antivirus companies come up and figure out ways to protect you. So I think it is important for private companies to start developing technologies. And then the government can decide which of those technologies need to be present to protect the consumer, right? Because at the end of the day, if I'm a consumer getting a robocall, there has to be a way for myself to get protected. And that could be in the form of both regulation, but also incentives, right? Like I remember when I came down here in 2005, I used to spend like five to $10 on caller ID 
because that would tell me who's calling. And that was super right. important. We used to spend like 10 bucks a month. So businesses can actually create very lucrative ways of protecting their consumer. Because if you protect the consumer, the consumer will buy, right? Like he'll say, okay, if I knew every single call, and if I knew this robocall was a deep fake version of Joe Biden because of liveness detection, and you offered it to me for one buck a month, and I could protect myself from my grandkids uh, knowing when it's really my grandkids and when it's a machine. I think there are ways where commercial incentives, along with the right kind of regulation, can provide an answer to this problem. And I'll say just one last thing. Uh, you know, in the in the uh, in the AI Insight forum, there was a lot of people talking about killer robots, and my <laughs> Big counterpoint to that was deep fakes is the first test that generative AI has thrown at us because it fundamentally eliminates all trust. So if we can't get together and figure out how to solve that problem, yeah, the killer robots will definitely get us, right? Like <laughs> this is like the most simple problem for us to go crack and we should focus on how does technology with big corporations along with the government come together to find a solution. Because if we can't find a solution for the simplest problem that generative AI is thrown at us, man, like we're screwed. I'm still depressed, Vijay. I'm still depressed. <laughs> we haven't turned it around. Um, I mean, you mentioned regulators and the role that they can play. And I would love to hear more about that because you know, robocalls have been around a long time. Washington has made many attempts to stop them. But there's still this like universal irritant. We all get them. We all hate them. It does not seem to have worked. What are policymakers missing? I think it's the it's the I'm going to mandate this and not realizing how hard it is a problem and not offering the opportunity to say, hey, you can incentivize yourself for this. I'm not going to tell you that the only way you're going to solve this problem is I'm going to mandate it. So you have to provide it no matter what. You can actually make money out of this thing. And I think if you actually change the problem to letting the consumer speak, right? Like, let me ask you the simple question, right? Like if you got a service that told you that this call was deep faked or was a robocall and it was 99% accurate, that is 99 times out of 100, it got it right. Would you pay for it? Yeah, I think I probably would. I certainly, to me, I've been thinking this as we've been talking, like, this seems like a feature that should be built into my iPhone or something, yeah. right? And like that's when a call thing. pops up, I should get some score detecting so, how real it is. How real it is, exactly. So, you know, if the consumer is willing to pay for it, and if you can incentivize the carriers, the handset manufacturers, all of them to provide this as a feature, and the government says you have to have such a feature, but you can charge for it, I think you're going to get a lot more because then the consumers, one, are going to go to carriers that offer it, go to handset manufacturers that offer it, or maybe initially they don't care and then the first time they get scammed, they're like, man, I better turn this feature on. I better find someone who does this because I just, my bank account just got compromised. I just lost $10,000. So for a dollar a month, I'd much rather put this on. It's why I use a service like LifeLock, right, for just my own identity protection. I never used to use it, but then I started using it because every time I change my address, it tells me. 
that somebody changed my address. And I'm like, yeah, I just changed my house. So that's good. It's monitoring. And so I think uh, having those kinds of services offered to the consumer and letting the consumer choose is the big missing piece. You know, it's it's funny um, you say that. There's this movie coming out. It just premiered at Sundance. I don't know if you've hmm. seen um, the, I think it's called Thelma. But basically, it stars 94-year-old June Squibb as a grandmother who's been scammed. Um, and she, like, goes on a Mission style, mission Impossible-style quest to, like, get the bad guys. Um, but it's like... <laughs> I mean, the fact that Hollywood is making a movie about this, it's like this has permeated like our cultural zeitgeist and like our fears. This is like a real problem that people are some of them dealing with. But if they're not dealing with it, aware of it. That's the thing, right? Like there is a fine line between being okay with it and man, it's so painful that we need to do something about it. Right. I think you mentioned robocalls. We all get a ton of them and we've gotten to the point where we're comfortable ignoring them and getting to a mode where, you know, we're just okay with answering the few phone calls that we know come from, you know, someone we trust. But that mode of operation is going to break at some point in time. Like once a a, a majority of people or a significant fraction of the U.S. population, you know, sees like a deep fake or something like that, it'll flip. And if it doesn't, then it's not a problem to be solved for. I'm going to try to recover from uh, this depressing interview. Uh, but <laughs> oh it's good, you know, good, good to know that there's uh, good technology at play here, here too, um, and, and maybe something to be done about it. Uh, Vijay, thank you for joining us on Politico Tech. No, I'm sorry I depressed you, but there's some great liveness tech that can solve this problem. Uh, You know, we just have to get the technology up to meet the bad guys. So thanks so much for having me. That's all for today's Politico Tech. For more tech news, subscribe to our newsletters, Digital Future Daily and Morning Tech. Music in today's episode comes from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Our managing producer is Annie Reese. Our producer is Afra Abdullah. And our editors are Steve Heuser, Daniela Cheslow, and Louisa Savage. I'm Stephen Overlay. I'll meet you back here on Monday.